Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We are located in Collinsville, Virginia. We are glad you joined us today. If you head over to our webpage, you can find more ways to serve, more sermons like this, as well as opportunities to support this ministry through giving. We pray God's blessing on the hearing and the doing of God's Word. Amen. reading is from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. I'd invite you to stand in honor of our gospel lesson as you are able. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing to you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told of them. Our second reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 15. I'm actually going to start in verse 10 and go through verse 11. Give liberally and be ungrudging when you do so. For on this account, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and the needy neighbor in your land. Friends, these are the words of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, 
Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the processes of our lives being redeemed. Our past, our present, and our future. We ask, O oh God, that we would be attentive to the way in which you're encountering us this week. I ask, O oh God, that in these last few days before we celebrate the birth of Christ, that we would prepare our hearts, our minds, our homes to be receptive to this good news. This good news that doesn't just affect the way that we have been, but affects the way that we live now and the way we live into our future. Give us the eyes to see, O oh God. Change our situation's perspective so that we might glorify you in all things, now and always. Place the cross before me, allow none to see me, but you and your grace alone. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, welcome. Welcome as we continue our sermon series, The Redemption of Scrooge. Redemption of Scrooge. We talked about how Scrooge had first started off his journey as he hears from his young nephew who comes in and says, Merry Christmas. And Scrooge says, Merry Christmas, bah humbug. And then we found Scrooge encountering his long lost friend, Mr. Marley. And we hear how Marley tells Scrooge that Scrooge is in for one wild night as he would be encountering three ghosts, the past, the present, and the future. We talked about last week how Christ comes to redeem our past, that nothing in our past defines us as to who we are now in the present in light of Christ. And today we spend some time with Mr. Scrooge as he spends time with the ghost of Christmas present. During the Advent and Christmas season, we celebrate Christ. At least we should, right? Everybody agree with that? During the Advent and Christmas season, we celebrate Christ as the greatest gift that has ever been given. And something about that gift affects the way that we live in our present by thinking about our own abundance and the way in which we act charitably with it. Sometimes, though, our charitableness gets misplaced. I remember a when I was younger, it was always the joy of my Christmas to see the way that my mom and my sister would interact with each other. You see, 
as a male, I could care less about the clothes that I received um, because to me, if I had clothes, I would just put them on, right? I didn't have a style. I just had clothes and I wore clothes. But my sister, when she was going through like 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th grade, she changed her style all the time. And I always thought this is going to be the best part of Christmas, not getting the gifts, but watching my sister and my mom play the dance as my sister would open up her gift and she would go, And my mom would be so happy. Don't you love it? Yeah, it's nice. And then inevitably, the day after Christmas, we would join the ranks of all of those who would go back and return their gifts. You see, my sister was appreciative of the gift. But it wasn't her flavor. My mom, however, saw something different. She saw, she saw her charitableness being misguided. You see, we find something like that today. When we find Ebenezer Scrooge. For the ghost of Christmas present takes Ebenezer into the house of Ebenezer's assistant, Mr. Bob Cratchit. So in the third chapter of Dickens' A Christmas Carol, the spirit of Christmas present takes Scrooge into Bob Cratchit's house to witness the Cratchit Christmas Stories dinner. Now if you've ever seen the movie, you know that the Cratchits they based their whole dinner around the goose. This goose is stuffed with sage and onions. It's roasted at the baker shop around the corner. It's served with applesauce and potatoes. And all of the children are so happy when it arrives. If you look at some of the Christmas carols uh, videos that show it, you see this episode where they bring the goose home and it still has all of its feathers on it. And the children say, oh, how I would love to pet it, right? It seems weird to us, but they are so thankful for what they are receiving. In the Christmas carol, Dickens writes this. It says, as the last dishes were set on and grace was said. It was succeeded by a breathless pause as Mrs. Cratchit, looking slowly all along the carving knife, prepared to plunge it into the breast. But when she did, and when the long-expected gush of stuffing issued forth, one murmur of delight arose all around the table. And then even Tiny Tim, excited by the two young Cratchits, beat the table with the handle of his knife and feebly cried, Hooray! There never was such a goose. Bob said he didn't believe there was ever such a goose cooked. Its tenderness, its flavor, its size, and its cheapness were the themes of universal admiration around the table. Eked out by the applesauce and mashed potatoes, it was a sufficient dinner for the whole family, all seven 
of them. Indeed, Miss Cratchit said with the great delight, serving one small atom of a bone upon the dish. They hadn't ate it all at last. But everyone had enough. And the youngest Cratchits in particular were steeped in sage and onions to their eyebrows. What a beautiful two paragraphs of that story. He invites you in to see this family who to all of us on the outside, we realize they have nothing. And yet, for them, what they have is everything. Mr. Scrooge looks in on this, and the next scene shows Scrooge as he wakes up, and it's still Christmas morning. He says this. He says, oh, I should go and buy them the biggest turkey of them all. Notice what he does. This family has a goose. The goose is one of the poorest birds that you could have buy, bought in his time. And Mr. Scrooge thinks that the right thing to do is to go buy them the most expensive bird of their day, the turkey. You see, what Mr. Scrooge was starting to see as he was being redeemed was that he needed to be charitable. But he started to think of his charitableness as what I need to do is do more, to give them more. Instead of seeing I need to be responsible for what I have and learn to see things differently. He thought he could buy them happiness by getting them a bigger turkey. Instead of allowing them to transform him to see that happiness comes from things not bought, but an attitude of things that we maintain. You see, the Christmas story, the Christmas carol, if you will, if we let it, can give us the gift of perspective. You see, I think that a lot of us need to go to a spiritual optometrist because we lack the gift of perspective. Many of us look at those who have without and we see them as having without. Many of us, we look at our own situations and we look at our bank accounts and we see all of the things that we have and we say, no matter what's in there, it's never enough. We look at the situation of our world and we say it's all dire. We see the situations of our families and we say, there's nothing good. We need a spiritual optometrist to give us the gift of perspective this year. Let's look at the story that we read from Luke chapter 2. We find in Luke chapter 2, and so often we miss it, we find that God comes to unlikely people to deliver an unlikely message. You see, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus, uh, God doesn't come to poor people. 
outcasted people. We see that the message goes to the kings and to the wise men. But in Luke's gospel, and if we're, if we're not careful, we miss it. In Luke's gospel, there are no wise men. There are just shepherds in a field. The shepherds would have been the outcasts of society. They would have been the lowest rungs of the economic system. They would have been members of the humble, poor community. These would have not been the people that you would have wanted to deliver a message because they would have been uneducated. They would have, been un, uh, they would have not spoke eloquently for a worldwide movement. These are unlikely people to receive such a message. But what we find in this story is that God shows up with unlikely people. God shows up pursuing those that he deems as important. God shows up with Mary and Mary says, oh, how my soul magnifies the Lord and the spirit worship is the God, my savior. Young woman. God shows up with the unlikely to deliver a message of good news over and over and over again in Scripture. God is in pursuit of what God loves and God is willing to go to great lengths for it to show us God's love. But he will do it. Through the unlikely. So that the world might hear. We find this in Luke's parables in Luke 15. Many of you know these stories. We have the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And what we find is that God is relentless. God is relentless in doing the unrational thing for the sake of those whom God loves. The story of the lost sheep, for instance, asked the, the strange question, well, how many of you, if you had 100 sheep and you lost one, wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one lost one until you found it? Friends, the answer to that, if you're in this church, should be no. I wouldn't. That doesn't make sense. Why would I leave 99 things in the wilderness to be eaten by wolves just to save one? We wouldn't. I would save the 99 and breed them and I'd get more. I'll make up for my loss. That's the way that the story should go. But that's also why we're not God. Because God is willing to risk the 99 to go after the one. You see, the story of our Christmas present is about our perspective. How valuable is the lost? How valuable are the poor? How valuable are our resources? How valuable are the things that are in front of us? And what are we doing in light of this message of this good news of Jesus Christ in the world today? see, Jesus' birth is about this storm that flips things upside down. Jesus came so that we might discover and share abundant and everlasting life, just like 
the Cratchits. So that we might hear the story that through Jesus, God has reconciled everything. God has reconciled our past, but he's also reconciled our present so that we might live differently today. He reconciles our presence to be able to say, if this is the message, if this is the present, if this is the good news of Advent and of Christmas, then what am I doing with it? Or what's holding me back? (coughs) (coughs) What's holding us back? From not just filling our own stockings. What's holding us back from inviting others to our own Christmas table? What's holding us back from clearing out the clutter of our own lives so that we might make room for others. The Christmas story, as we recount it, reminds us of an inn that was too full for the Savior. And it challenges us in our present day to ask the same question. Are the ends of our lives still too full? To encounter the message of Christmas. Are we like Ebenezer Scrooge. Who when we see a problem. Our only response is let me throw money at it. Let me write a check. Let me do something. Or are we like Bob Cratchit. Who sees what we have. We regain our perspective. We find that we have seven children sitting around a table. And even if that means we don't all get a lot, everybody gets something. How is the Christmas story impacting your present? How is Christ showing up for Christmas? May we all be challenged today. May we all make room in our own ends. May we all be blessed. Every one of us. By the gift.